Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to yet another edition of the Royal Ramble. I am your host, Blaine the Brain, and I've got a lot to cover this week, as you should all know, unless you've been living under a rock, of course. Can you feel it? Are you ready? Are you ready for the pro wrestling whirlwind that is going to be passing through the state of Texas next weekend? A storm is brewing, the stage is set, and we are a few exits away on the road to WrestleMania. And it's not just WrestleMania. As I've said time and time again on this show, the WWE is not the only game in town, although they will undoubtedly be bringing their A-game and adding more eyes to all the other events of next week, which include Impact Wrestling's Multiverse of Matches show and the return of Ring of Honor with their Supercard of Honor. And that is just the Friday alone. Not to mention the Hall of Fame, SmackDown, and AEW Rampage all taking place that day as well. Enough to put you in a wrestling coma yet? Well, maybe just wait for the big event itself on the Saturday and Sunday. As big a week as it is in the world of pro wrestling, it'll be a big week on the Ramble as well. My biggest one yet, as I have three interviews lined up this coming week with wrestling historian and award-winning author Pat LaProd on Monday, former WWE referee Jimmy Corderas on Tuesday, and then one half of the young guns from SNME Radio, Boris Aguinaldo, who joins me on Wednesday to preview the NXT Stand and Deliver event, which, by the way, will also be on WrestleMania Saturday. You can find all my interviews on Spotify or YouTube, and please be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel under my full name, Blaine Vandergreen. The links will be posted in the Facebook group, The Royal Ramble, for those interested. You can also follow me on Twitter at BlaineDebrain84, that's B-L-A-I-N-E-D-A-B-R-A-I-N, number 84. So before I get into my preview of WrestleMania, I have to make mention of the unfortunate development of this past week. Paul Levesque, otherwise known as Triple H, announced via interview with ESPN's Stephen A. Smith this past week that he is officially retiring from in-ring competition at 52 years old, due to genetic heart issue. Levesque underwent a successful medical procedure after surviving a life-threatening health scare in 2021. He was fortunate enough that doctors were able to catch this early, and while it is very disappointing to wrestling fans, he ultimately needs to do what's best for himself and his family at this time, and I sincerely wish him all the best. I can only hope this leads to him being promoted to a more prominent backstage role like he had with NXT for several years. It's really amazing to see all the positive reactions from both fans and wrestlers, no matter what organizations they belong to, all expressing their thanks and appreciation to Triple H for being so instrumental in the development of their careers. I first saw Triple H wrestle for WCW in 94. He was Jean-Paul Levesque at the time and was part of a tag team known as the Blue Bloods along with William Regal. Even then, I knew he would be a big name one day, but I had no idea he would be as huge as he eventually became. He was one of the absolute best to ever lace up a pair of boots, and universally recognized as one of the best heels of all time, probably on most people's top five lists. If he never wrestles again, which currently seems so, then I think he can easily reflect back on his career with no regrets. He's seen it all and done it all, reaching heights which most people in the business can only dream about. He was also such an important figure in the history of WrestleMania, and I'm sure Paul Levesque, just like most fans, are very much looking forward to this year's WrestleMania. 
It'll be a two-day event held on Saturday, April 2nd and Sunday, April 3rd at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. One of the big matches on night one will be for the Raw Women's Championship, which I can totally see opening the show. It'll be Becky Lynch turning back the challenge of Bianca Belair. I can definitely appreciate the long-term booking here and them concluding the story of Bianca finally getting her win back, but whichever way this goes, I really don't see this one ending here. I can definitely see them teasing the same outcome as they had in the SummerSlam match, but this time Bianca kicks out of an early manhandle slam. See, I'm torn here because I do like Bianca, and I think it makes perfect sense for her to win the title, but even if she does, I can't see the company having any long-term faith in her, and thus either Becky or Charlotte will be winning that title back at some point, probably by next year's WrestleMania. I hope I'm wrong, but we'll see how this plays out. Last year, Bianca won the title in the main event of Night 1, and I'm thinking she starts this year's WrestleMania the same way last year's ended, with a big title win after two consecutive KODs. And this really needs to end clean, too, to solidify Bianca as a serious champion and not just some fluke. I think this will also end the terrible experiment of Becky as a heel champion. After the match, Becky will extend her hand for a handshake, At first, Bianca is reluctant, remembering the last time she shook Becky's hand, but eventually sees that it is a genuine gesture and accepts the handshake, thus turning Becky face. I'm thinking Becky disappears for a while after this, returning just in time for SummerSlam, at which point Bianca will likely be a heel, which is a more natural fit for her as well, as she'd have let the title fame get to her head, and then Becky will come back as a monster babyface for a rematch possibly at SummerSlam, the very event where this feud started. Also on night one is the match that I'm least looking forward to and will probably be my first bathroom break of the night. It'll be a one-on-one encounter between Drew McIntyre and Happy Corbin. Honestly, who did Drew piss off? I mean, is this a joke? If it is, it's just about as bad as Madcap's dad jokes. Despite the horrendous booking, this could be a decent in-ring match, but I just don't care to see it. I think it's an easy win for Drew. Corbin will get the advantage near the end, and while the ref is temporarily inactive, Corbin will call for Moss to hand him Drew's sword. But just as Moss is about to hand it over, he suddenly has a change of heart, puts the sword back, and walks away from ringside, leaving a shocked Corbin to eat a claymore, giving Drew the win. They have been teasing dissension in recent weeks between Moss and Corbin, because that's a feud in high demand, said no one ever. But if they're going to split up, I think Mania would be the time to do it. The Uso brothers will be challenged by the team of Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs on the Saturday as well for the SmackDown Tag Team titles. I am so sick of these makeshift teams being put together at the final minute of the final hour. Yes, Boogs and Nakamura have been together as an act for some time, but I don't recall them ever actually teaming up until recently. And who have they ever beaten to even earn this title shot? The tag team scene in WWE right now is just ridiculous. There are not even any rankings to speak of, and it's perfectly clear that they just make things up as they go. I think the Usos almost need to win here, firstly because I can't see Boogs and Nakamura as a long-term thing, nor do I see them have a long run with the belts, as there aren't really any other teams lined up to face either combination at this point, but also because if the Usos lose, it kind of telegraphs the main event of Night 2, which I don't think is a good thing. So I'm going to say the Usos get the clean win here to keep the belts, and I hate to say it, but I would be very surprised if Boogs and Nakamura survive their next round of roster cuts. 
Then you have the first celebrity match of the weekend, and I don't think celebrity has ever been as loosely defined as it is on this show, but Logan Paul will team with The Miz against Mysterio and Son. This is a feud that has made zero sense to me. I don't understand the whole connection between Paul and Miz, and I don't understand really why any of this is happening, and what issue Logan Paul even has with the Mysterios. It's honestly just lazy booking. At the end of the day, the Mysterios are a tag team while Logan Paul and Miz are not, so I can't see them losing. I can picture something where Paul refuses to tag in and the Mysterios take advantage to beat Miz, but this whole match is essentially going to be used to build to the post-match angle of Miz getting in Logan Paul's face, blaming him for the loss, and Paul knocking him out a la Mike Tyson and Shawn Michaels from back in the day, and that is the only instance in which I will ever compare Miz to HBK and Paul to Tyson. There are a couple of matches on this show that have been teased on television but have yet to be made. Given how few matches there are on night one, I can totally see these matches being booked for then, including Finn Balor defending the US title against Damian Priest. I think we're getting Demon Balor, and it'll be a successful title defense with the coup de gras. I'm not a huge fan of Priest, but I think he'll just continue sinking down the card from here, as WWE seems to have clearly given up on him. Bobby Lashley vs. Omos has also been rumored, but I guess that would heavily depend on the status of Lashley's health. It won't be a technical masterpiece by any stretch, but hopefully they keep it short. It's a tough one to book, but they can do it in such a way where they can keep both guys strong. You can have Lashley do power moves to show off his strength, but ultimately Omos will be the first man to break out of Lashley's hurt lock. Omos then quickly puts Lashley away to win his first WrestleMania singles match, and on television, MVP will berate Lashley for losing to Omos, causing Lashley to snap and assault MVP, thus dissolving that relationship, and Lashley will turn face, while MVP goes and finds a new client to take out Lashley, which will likely be either Omos or Gable Stevenson, two guys that WWE will probably want to push, but two that will also probably require someone to talk for them. Originally, I thought that Lashley should win this one to keep him looking strong for a potential Brock rematch, but they can still build him up after the fact because I don't see the Brock match happening until at least SummerSlam, and I think Brock is going to face Omos at some point as well, and probably before then, so he should be the priority. Another match that has been rumored in recent weeks is Seth Rollins versus Cody Rhodes. If it happens, it could be huge, but honestly, I feel like if it were Cody, it would have been booked by now. I still have a weird feeling that Rollins is instead getting either Goldberg or Shane McMahon. I don't think WWE would be that ignorant, and even if we don't get the Cody match, he will likely make an appearance in some capacity. The Cody match right now is where the money is. That's the match that is in the highest demand for Seth Rollins. So we'll see what happens on Raw tomorrow night, I guess, but um, we should have a clearer idea by then. Charlotte Flair vs. Ronda Rousey for the SmackDown Women's title is another big feature of Night 1. This is the one-on-one -on -one match that was supposed to happen at WrestleMania 35. It was this match that was supposed to be the first WrestleMania Women's main event, but the growing popularity of Becky Lynch changed those plans back in 2019. I have no doubt that this will be a strong in-ring match, but the storyline thus far has been very lackluster, and the match this year does not have the same anticipation as their first encounter which could unfortunately work against them and cause fans to turn on this one. I can definitely picture fans in Texas chanting, We want Becky throughout. It'll be the same scenario that they experienced in the 2014 Royal Rumble, where fans wanted Daniel Bryan to win and didn't get it. 
It's such a classic example, once again, of WWE telling us what we want instead of listening to what we actually want. I've batted around several possible outcomes for this match, and after careful consideration, I think it would be most beneficial to have Charlotte retain. How she does that is the biggest question. I think the longer-term story here is for Ronda to avenge her only two losses in WWE, first this one against Charlotte, and then next year's Mania against Becky. So I'm picturing Rousey constantly going for the armbar in this match. She eventually gets it, but Charlotte rolls through and grabs the ropes to steal the pin, which confuses Rousey because that's not something you can do in MMA to escape a submission. So Charlotte waves the title in Rousey's face after the match, and then Ronda snaps and reapplies the armbar, causing Charlotte to aggressively tap out, and then several officials storm the ring, attempting to break the hold. But Rousey has a death clutch on Charlotte's arm and refuses to release. When she finally does, she then starts assaulting the referees and officials, leading to her temporary suspension on television. The biggest event of WrestleMania Saturday will undoubtedly be the KO show with guest Stone Cold Steve Austin. Latest I've heard is that this is actually supposed to be a match, and that Steve Austin is apparently in ring shape. I don't know how accurate that is, but whatever it is, whether a match, a fight, or just a talking segment, it should be very entertaining. I'm expecting several stunners here and probably a huge beer bash to close out night one and hopefully it signals a massive push for Owens coming out of WrestleMania. Night 2 will likely get underway with a triple threat match for the Raw Tag Team titles. All things considered, I think this could be a sleeper for match of the weekend. I've been really impressed with all three of these teams lately, and I'm expecting a great one here. Ultimately, I think I'd prefer the belts to go back to Alpha Academy so they can get a strong win on the biggest show of the year, and then branch off into a feud with the Profits while RK-Bro finally splits up, but not in the traditional sense. I'm thinking after losing the belts, Orton has a heart-to-heart -heart with Riddle, telling him that it's best for the team to go their separate ways, so Orton can focus on his singles career and one last run with the WWE title. But in the long run, it ends up having the adverse effect, where Orton is unsuccessful in his quest to win the world title initially, while Riddle is the one who starts to ascend up the card, winning the Money in the Bank match in July. The seeds of jealousy are then planted in Orton, and he finally turns on Riddle and challenges him for the Money in the Bank briefcase at SummerSlam, which Orton wins, and goes on to eventually win the WWE title, while Riddle wins the Rumble in January and challenges Orton at Mania 39. Just a little fantasy booking for you. You also have Pat McAfee against Vince McMahon's protege Austin Theory, which will be yet another bathroom break for me. It's a match that really just came out of nowhere with no real story attached to it, and I'm not quite sure who's supposed to be the babyface here. I mean, I guess it's a better match than the original plan of Vince McMahon wrestling McAfee, but still not much better in alternative. It should at least be good in the ring. I'm expecting Corey Graves to somehow get involved here, as he's been cleared to wrestle as well, and he assists Theory in beating McAfee, leading to a short TV feud that nobody cares about between Graves and McAfee. The match that I'm most excited about, at least from an in-ring standpoint, is the one-on-one -on -one encounter between Edge and AJ Styles. It is one of those few match combinations today that feels like a genuine dream match, and it's the first time ever meeting. I'm not really sure what the motivation was behind Edge's heel turn, but it happened, and now AJ wants revenge, so that's the whole story. I hope this one gets a significant amount of time. I think if I had to pick a winner, I'd say AJ, as I think there's more long-term value there. 
I don't expect any Styles Clash attempts here just based on Edge's neck problems, but I'm thinking the finish comes where Edge tries the spear but AJ dodges it and then rolls through into a calf crusher. Edge holds on for as long as he can but eventually succumbs and taps out. After the match, Edge offers a genuine handshake which AJ accepts and Edge turns face just like Shawn Michaels did where he did the temporary heel turn for the Hulk Hogan match. I don't think there is much long term value in Edge as a heel. And like Becky, he'll probably also disappear for a while after this match. The other celebrity match on this card is the only celebrity match that I'm actually looking forward to, and that is all thanks to Sami Zayn, who will be facing Jackass star Johnny Knoxville, which is now Anything Goes, so I'm definitely expecting a ton of interference in this one, especially from the other Jackass guys, but hopefully they don't get too crazy and it doesn't end up playing into the finish. I think this will be more of a comedy match, but the ultimate finish will come when Zayn hits the Huluva kick and goes for the pin but gets cocky and pulls Knoxville up at 2. He then sets Knoxville up in the corner so he can do the move again, but this time he misses and trips over Knoxville, who gets the roll up for the surprise win. And like Razor Ramon after losing to the 1-2-3 kid, I think this will lead to other heels making fun of Zayn to the point where he turns babyface and hopefully gets a massive push. The fatal four-way for the women's tag belts could be another sleeper. Okay, I'm not a huge fan of makeshift teams in general, and especially in this match where it just seems like a forced situation of creating a tag division for the women just because. But looking at the participants in this match, it could be really strong in the ring, although I wouldn't be shocked if it ends up being bumped to the kickoff or worse, WrestleMania SmackDown. Of the teams in this match, the one that I think a win would benefit the most are the current champs Zelina and Carmella. I think they are the only two that wouldn't be as successful as individuals, while if you split up the other three teams, you once again have a pretty decent singles division. I'm not a fan of Zelina or Carmella as in-ring talents, but I think there is a lot of potential there in terms of being strong characters. They could be another team like Lay Cool. I can see them stealing a pin to keep the belts like the Iconics did at Mania 35. Closing out the event will be the big one for both the WWE and Universal titles. It's winner-take-all between Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar, though they haven't really made it clear whether this is supposed to be a unification match or just title for title like the triple threat for the women back in 2019. The feud was really good up until Brock won the title at day one, I'd say, and then they just made him look like a dumb babyface by having him trust Heyman again, who ended up betraying him yet again, at the Rumble. And the matches between these two have been almost identical. I think Brock really needs a win here, probably more than Roman, even if they wanted to keep Roman strong for the Rock match next year because I think Roman has still been kept strong enough and can afford a loss. I think Brock is winning both belts here and I can see both Reigns and Heyman taking an F5 at some point. So that's WrestleMania, but what happens next? Well, funny you should ask. Actually, I'm assuming that would be your question. But WWE has another premium live event in May called WrestleMania Backlash, and when I used to blog, I had a feature called Fantasy Forecast where I would book the entire card for the following event. So let me see if I can put one together for the May show. With Brock winning the belts as I predicted at WrestleMania, I'm expecting him to defend both at Backlash, probably against different opponents. This way, when Roman wins back the Universal title, Brock has the excuse of competing in two matches, while Roman only had one. And then they do the rematch at the June Premium Live event inside Hell in a Cell to finally end their feud. 
So Brock will defend the Universal title against Roman at Backlash, and will defend the WWE title against Randy Orton, who will be looking to avenge his loss to Brock at SummerSlam 2016, and just building off of my earlier prediction involving Orton and Riddle. The women's singles titles will likely also be defended on this show. I mentioned Ronda Rousey's storyline suspension earlier, but I think she'll be back by this show and will get a rematch with Charlotte, which will be under I Quit rules where Charlotte agrees to the rematch, but only if Rousey agrees to the stipulation that if she loses, she must quit WWE. Bailey also has to be waiting in the wings for her eventual in-ring return, which I expect to happen on this show against Bianca Belair for the Raw women's title. I'm expecting an intercontinental title defense with Ricochet being challenged by both Sami Zayn and Shinsuke Nakamura in a triple threat match. If the Cody Rhodes rumors are true, I think he will face Seth Rollins in either a rematch from WrestleMania or their first match, depending on if the Mania thing is actually a match between those two. I can see Kevin Owens going one-on-one -on -one with AJ Styles being the two odd men out on the Raw side. MVP will agree to give Bobby Lashley a match with him, but later reveals that it'll be a tag match with Omos as MVP's partner, and then Lashley selects his own partner, the debuting Gable Steveson. Speaking of tag matches, I think we're getting a raw tag title defense as well, with Alpha Academy defending against the Street Profits, probably on the kickoff. So there you have it. You'll be hearing from me again this week. It'll be a busy one, but until then, I leave you with an ABC-ya.